heading that up. Um, all right, Doc, you ready to roll? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, we got some great questions uh, coming in. I'm going to start with the Cleveland Heart question. Um, okay, I see that on the Cleveland, the TSH and T3 are tested. Are those the only two thyroid pieces that need to be tested? This is a Cleveland heart question. Uh, yeah, really just for routine screening, um, you know, and that's a free T3. There's a difference between total and free T3. But yeah, I mean, those are the two numbers I go off by more just for screening because the T3, the free T3 is the active form of thyroid. And I look at the TSH, you know, a lot of people just – your typical doctor will just check a TSH and a T4, which really aren't that, doesn't give me enough information. Now, sometimes if somebody has a thyroid problem, I'll dig deeper into it, uh, getting uh, things like, I'll, I'll check a free T4 as well as a free T3. I'll check TPO antibodies, maybe a reverse T3. Um, so that, you know, you can dig pretty deep on it. But for most people, as a screen for their thyroid, those are the two numbers that I need to look at um, for sure. All right. Thank you for that question. I'm going to, I know there's another uh, Cleveland Heart question in here. I'm going to stick with Cleveland Heart for a minute. Um, how do you determine to give a female in her 50s DHEA in their bioidentical hormone replacement therapy? I don't think I saw the DHEA on my Cleveland, did I? What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, it's not a routine part of the Cleveland because they tack an extra charge on there for that. I do like checking DHEAs. You know, for most people, especially in your 50s or older, it's going to be suboptimal. So I always add it to the uh, cream when I give uh, BHRT. Um you know, but sometimes I will check levels. It's very informative. It's just because of the cost. I don't routinely put it on there, but uh, it's a good point though. Really good point. Um, most people need a little bit of DHEA. Um, so you don't really need to check your levels unless you're really picky about it. Um, or if you have some kind of problem, um, then you do. But uh, yeah, I wish it was routinely on there to be honest with you. Um, but great question. Great. And if you ever want us to add that, just ask for it. So certainly, um, well, you know, I had an interesting, uh, patient yesterday, an interesting thing about when you look at labs, like if you get a really, when, we always do a metabolic panel, which gives us your kidney function in the form of a creatinine and a GFR glomerular filtration rate. And it shows how your kidneys are functioning and filtrating your blood for waste. And a lot of times you'll see somebody that's really fit, that has a lot of muscle, they'll have a little bit high uh, creatine levels and maybe a, reflect a slightly lower GFR. You start thinking, is this patient, you know, having early stages of kidney failure? Really not because their muscle mass makes the routine uh, lab work kind of obsolete. So what you can do is check something called a cystatin C and calculate the GFR based on the cystatin C, not the creatinine. So, and a lot, and most of the times it's normal. So if you see a, a muscular male or female, usually see more males in this category and they look like they have a little renal problem, 
because their creatinine is a little bit high. It just really means they're, uh, they're building muscle and they have, uh, you know, less fat mass than they do muscle mass. So you add, you can have them calculate it with a cystatin C uh, instead of using the uh, creatinine. And it gives a much clearer picture. So a lot of times that alleviates their worries. So, I mean, so a lot of these labs, you have to really know kind of what you're looking at and, and what you're doing. So, um, you know, and on the Cleveland, you know, it, nobody has a perfectly optimal Cleveland panel. I don't think I've ever seen it. I've seen pretty close, but not perfect. So a lot of people will worry about, you know, gosh, my, my MCV was a point high, and yet everything else is normal, you know, and uh, they start worrying, and I, I try to alleviate their anxiety and say, hey, this means nothing. Um, so that's a, that's a good part about looking at a lot of these Clevelands and, and kind of knowing what to worry about and what not to worry about. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm going to do a series of podcasts on worry about this, not that. I think I'm going to get some specialists on there in their fields and, and get a list of, uh, say, in cardiology, what you should worry about, what you shouldn't worry about. Um, yeah. So it's really interesting. I, I love that idea. And, uh, and, and one thing about the Cleveland, it, it seems like it's you're looking at it overall so you're also looking at like you're looking at the whole thing but then you're breaking it down as well you're, but you're not going to be super worried about one thing being maybe a tad right. bit off right right all right great stuff great question there grandma mary's in the building thank you so much grandma for being here i love i love that she's watching um yeah me too okay let's um let's put this up here um okay i love this question I'm 42 years old, was recently put on protonics in the morning and pepsid at night for indigestion. I had an endoscopy, endoscopy, which was clear. I'm miserable half the time with burping and indigestion. Question is, what do you recommend? I'm at a loss for what to do or try. Uh, with a little added context here, the indigestion causes a high heart rate, and we're wondering with, uh, whether or not that's normal. What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, that's an interesting question because you don't really want to have to take protonics the rest of your life. Really, it's only indicated for a couple of weeks um, unless you have a really serious condition like a Barrett's esophagus where the uh, pathology on your esophagus has changed, predisposing you to develop esophageal cancer later on. But um, so you're on that and it's still not working. You had a normal endoscopy where they scoped you. So you don't have a Barrett's esophagus. You don't have an ulcer. And hopefully they did uh, an H. pylori uh, test while they were there to see if you have that bacteria called H. pylori that causes most ulcers. So um, the deal is you have reflux. And what I would try to do is instead of putting a Band-Aid on it and try to um, put you on protonics all the time, which, you know, will cut all the acid out of your stomach, which you need to digest your food and absorb your minerals. So you have a lot of dangerous things that can happen down the line if you take that for too long. Um, so look at the kind of food you're eating. Um, the first thing I would do is, is look at your food patterns, what you're eating, the timing of the eating. You know, you may have a little high level hernia. You may be overweight. I don't know. Um, you may have slower gut motility. Um, 
you know, the first thing I would put you on is something like Digest Shield. I'd really look very hard at what kind of foods irritate your stomach worse than others. Certainly, you don't eat and lay down. You don't ever do that. Um, you have a lot of gas with burping. Um, you could certainly try some uh, some methicone gas X for that. Uh, there's some other ones that work for that, but you sound like you're not digesting your food. Your foods are not moving through. So I'd like to look at what other medications you're taking, but most of all, what foods you're eating. Uh, people have different tolerances to different foods. So certainly, um, you know, you probably want to stay away from uh, a lot of spicy, greasy, fatty foods, um, citrus, coffee, um, things like that can irritate it, raw vegetables. Um, you know, you may even, if you looked at my podcast or note from today, you might even try doing a carnivore diet. A lot of times I think that helps uh, severe GERD as well. Um, you need to really think about that, maybe doing some intermittent fasting. Um, you know, some people swallow air a lot. Um, now, when, when you're your gut's churning and your blood's going to the gut trying to heal it or get, you know, nutrients from it, you know, it could raise your heart rate. There's no doubt about that. So yeah, it could be. I mean, again, I'd like to run more, run more testing on you, maybe a GI map. Definitely at the very least, look at what you're eating, put you on digest shield, maybe some, some methicone. I don't know what your bowel movements are like, but you know, you really need to get to the bottom of this thing. Um, you know, like Steve was saying, 15 minutes, digest shell 15 minutes prior to eating the meals, optimal, um, twice a day, your two meals of the day that you're going to eat. Um, so really, you know, you need to come in and talk to somebody like us, a functional medicine doctor that looks a lot at gut health and, um, because there's, there's an answer here. That's not right. I mean, there, there's, other things that could be happening, you could have uh, a gallbladder problem, you could have bile acid, uh, malabsorption. Um, it'd just be interesting to, you know, to, to consult with somebody like you who, who's having these problems, because um, there's an answer there. So, something's off. You know, it, the GI map will map out your entire gut microbiome. And uh, that's just a great question and a great patient. You'd be surprised, Ben, how many patients we see with gut problems. Yeah. Last patient I saw tonight, half hour ago, has had some severe gut problems um, over the past, almost a year. Um, and, and I think, do you think, out of curiosity, based on kind of what you um, what you got from this last patient, do you think they recognized it like for a whole year, or did it take them a year to recognize that their that their gut was way off? I'm like, I'm interested in figuring out, like, does it take a, someone a long time to figure out that their gut isn't functioning properly? Or is it sometimes, something? Sometimes, sometimes, a lot of times, if you look at the history and talk to the patient, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Because the first thing I'd ask is, how's your gut functioning? Most of the time, not good. And they know that. You know? They know it's not yeah. good. They usually do, but they don't realize the importance of it. Ah. And what they may be doing, you know, that may be uh, upsetting it. I mean, one good reason to eat a carnivore diet is, is because, uh, you know, red meat has a lot of carnosine in it. And carnosine kind of binds up some of the things that 
are kind of inflammatory for you, like sugar, and carries it out as waste. Um, so it's just really interesting. I, I would get some Digest Shield, maybe try the carnivore diet if you haven't tried that, um, or even maybe a FODMAP diet. And that's another one that may work because when you have a lot of gas, you, you know, if you eat a lot of things that are going to ferment in your stomach, it may cause a lot of gas. So I'd get to the basis of what I'm eating and I'd probably go ahead and if it's been going on for a while, uh, I'd go ahead and get a, a GI map, which is a stool test. That's mm -hmm. very comprehensive. Gives us a lot of information. There's even H pylori uh, assay on that one too. Um, so hope that helps you. Um, I'll go ahead and remind everybody we, we got one more question here and then we're going to take live questions. So if you have a question for Dr. Rogers, uh, go ahead and put it in the comments. We're going to get to those in just a, a few minutes and we're going to get to every single one tonight. We're excited. It's, is this daylight savings times or which one are we in? No, this is Eastern standard. It's time. Eastern standard. It's pitch black outside, uh, at seven. 720. I know. I'm so, still going for a bike ride later though. So are you really? Yeah. Well, I'll take my light and it's very, it's very warm out there still. So while I still can, of course I'm going for a bike ride. Of course. You know what? Why wouldn't you? I love it. I mean, all I've done, well, I did work out this morning, but then I take a walk at lunch. I like to get out on the bike at night. Um, all right. We're going to, we're going to keep moving then. Um, this is a, a question around pain medicine, and, and we've talked, uh, you know, a little bit about this uh, this year, which I think is so important. Um, and I'm, it's, it's a longer question, so I'm going to break it up. Um, I had an extremely long visit to the ER this week with a family member. When pain meds were asked for, we were assuming extra strength Tylenol. They came back with the oxy oxycodone option, which we declined and had to then ask for the Tylenol option. The question is, would the oxycodone option really work that much better? Wondering what the pain-reducing difference is between oxycodone and extra-strength Tylenol or ibuprofen. Uh, the context is the extra-strength uh, Tylenol worked really well, uh, but they had to be adamant to refuse the other, which is super, which is super interesting. Uh, so what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree with what you did. I mean, oxycodone is a terrible drug. You know, and if you have cancer or, you know, you just broke your leg or you got your wisdom teeth pulled and you need it for a day or two, it's definitely more potent, but it also, you know, has a lot of side effects too. You're going to be kind of out of it when you're taking that. That's why so many people get addicted to it. Um, I've known many good doctors that have become uh, drug addicts by starting on oxycodone and hydrocodone. Oxycodone is a little more potent than hydrocodone, but they've, they become addicts because of a legitimate reason for getting on it, like a kidney stone or post-surgery. So if you can get by with taking extra strength Tylenol, you don't even have to ask for that. Just get it yourself or ibuprofen. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times, um, I guess doctors assume you want, you come in there for pain and you want something, but you know, for me and the people that I know, that are smart, they refuse it unless they're, um, you know, really in that much pain. Um, they they have a kidney stone or they just, you know, or their pain levels eight to nine out of 10. Um, so yeah, oxycodone is a dangerous 
drug, very addictive. And after you use it a couple of weeks, it's, it's no better than Motrin anyway. You know, and then by that time you're hooked on it. I've seen people get hooked on oxycodone within a week to two weeks. I mean, it's just a horrible thing to have to do. So, you know, if you, I wouldn't, I don't want it um, for sure. Well, it's a, it, it's such an important question, and um, so I'm 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 glad I'm glad that was brought up, and and great answer there. Um, we've got one more here, and w- then we're going to get to the comments. Uh, as you guys know, this is a performance medicine show. We're going to answer health and wellness questions in the comments here in about uh, a couple minutes. Um, okay, let's see here. Where am I at? Okay. Um, I have learned so much uh, following you the last year and a half. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the kind comment. Uh, I have I have one at a time added so many supplements to boost immune system, etc. And I'm now ready to add one for brain health or memory, brain health slash memory. Uh, if I only want to add one, which would you recommend, as I've heard you talk about a few over the last year? Um, so it sounds like if you had to add one kind of brain brain health slash memory supplement, which one would it be? Uh, probably the one I take, Cognitex, that Life Extension makes. It has phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylcholine. Um, another, another, any of the ones that have Bacopa in it are pretty good too. Um, even, you know, we talked about methylene blue. Um, you know, if you're a woman that has frequent UTIs and you want to uh, enhance your cognition then methylene blue drops are really effective kill two birds with one stone but probably cognitex um there's several out there um yeah here's mine right here I, just it. I took it this morning so i love it there's a lot if there's one i would take which i do i take this one i was at a conference one year in, in california and um a neurologist was famous neurologist was up there and he was talking about vitamins for the brain. And um, somebody from the audience asked him, uh, if you're on a desert island, what would be the one vitamin you would take? And, you know, you, you'd think he'd choose D or C or one of those. Uh, of course, being a neurologist, he said Cognitex. I'll never forget him saying that. That's interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's a really good uh Brain's important. All right. That's a great question. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, Cognitex Elite uh, from Life Extension uh, is the answer there. All right, guys. uh, That does it for the questions that came in throughout the week. Uh, Thank you in advance to to the people who sent emails in, uh, commented on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, We really appreciate that. So um, if you have questions for Dr. Rogers, go ahead and put those in uh, the comments. I have not... Uh, I don't think I've seen one yet. Um, so if I'm missing one, uh, kind of point it out to me. Uh, but until then, I, I do have a question for you, um, which is uh, a- around this one. So, you know, you talked about the carnivore diet, and, and this is something that you're exploring right now yourself. Um, what... There is a marker on the on the Cleveland Heart that you've been watching for uh, that has to do with red meat. And what is it? Remind me. Oh, the TMAO. The TMAO. Tell me kind of how you're thinking about that now that you're starting to, to or you will be eating more and more red meat. Well, 
You know, I'm probably going to leave that TMAO uh, measurement off in the future on my Cleveland because it kind of gets confusing and I'm not sure it means a lot anyway. You know, the theory behind it, it's really a, an indirect measure of your gut microbiome. And traditionally, I said, well, if your TMAO is high, you should eliminate red meat and egg yolks um, because they have choline in them. But really, when you take a little deeper dive, and if you want to explore that, um, you know, you can read uh, the book, The Carnivore Code, and maybe look at that a little bit further and because i did take a deep dive on it i'll probably start ignoring it to be honest with you because uh, i don't want to discourage people from eating a carnivore diet now, again the carnivore diet there's tens of thousands of people that eat that every day for years and they do great there's some people that just do it to kind of restore their gut function or lose weight or you know, an easy way to eat less carbohydrates. Um, so it has a lot of different functions. So, you know, the, the carnivore diets, I know it's all the rage right now, but it's been around for a long time. And for a lot of people, it works pretty well. Again, like I said in the note today, everybody's different. So, I mean, some people do better on a vegan diet. Other people can't digest plants, fibers very well. So they do better with a carnivore diet. And you can look at your numbers and see how they change. You know, for most people, you know, their cholesterol doesn't go up, even though they're eating a lot of saturated fats. And now we know, of course, that saturated fats do not cause heart disease. Mm. Um, you know, it's more the polyunsaturated fats, so the PUFAs and the, the, uh, the inflammatory omega-6s like linoleic acid. You know, we measure those on the Cleveland and can come up with a, a plan for you. But the TMAO for right now, it's on hold. For, for, you, in for you in particular or just yeah. on? Okay. And I'll experiment on myself. I'll follow my levels just to see if they mean anything. Got it. Um, but uh, if you read the note today, you know, the, the reason I got on the carnivore diet um, is to straighten some gut problems I was having out as a result of uh, kind of like what I call the perfect storm. I had to take a little prednisone, had to take an antibiotic, and then COVID. Yeah. Uh, mild case of COVID that kind of, that triple play kind of messed my gut microbiome up. Um, it's a, it's a really I, cool conversation. I'm, 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 I'm going to, I'm really looking forward to following this. And I know uh, our nutrition coach, Lucas Schmidt, and maybe even Andy, are going to do, um, they're going to do like tests on themselves where they're going to take their, uh, labs and, and follow it with a carnivore type diet. Is that right? Did they it, are. Yeah. Cool. It's going to be, you know, Lucas is an amazing nutritionist. He's our go-to guy. And Annie, of course, is a type one diabetic. So this could be really interesting. I predict he's going to get a lot better glycemic control with the carnivore diet. Um, you know, just listen to your gut. And if you can't digest vegetables, then, you know, um, maybe you shouldn't be eating too many vegetables. There's, there's pros and cons of eating vegetables. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them is stomach upset. If anybody has IBS, I almost diagnose it by saying, hey, what, do you, what happens when you eat a salad? And they go, I can't eat a salad. Well, you probably have IBS. Um, so it's, it's going to be really interesting um, to see kind of what happens on this. But it's just... 
good for your gut microbiome in a lot of ways. It's by definition a low carbohydrate diet. Um, plus, you know, those, those animal proteins are much better absorbed than uh, plant proteins. So you're probably going to build more muscle than you would on a regular diet. And again, it may not, may not be for long term for some people. Most people are going to end up on a blended type of diet. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll kind of follow that. We'll, we'll have more updates and more podcasts on the carnivore diet as time goes on. Yeah, um, we, we will definitely be talking more and more about it. Uh, it's safe to say. And I'm, I want to get to my friend uh, Chuck's question here shortly. Um, real quick, I had, a, I had a phenomenal question for you. And, uh, and it just left me. It just left me. So that means, Chuck, we're going to get to your question. Uh, Chuck is asking, can berberine be taken with metformin or is it one or the other? Um, it could be. I usually uh, use one or the other, but it's not going to hurt to add berberine to metformin. I think berberine works almost as good as metformin without the GI side effects that a lot of uh, people have with metformin. Mm. Um, so, you know, a lot of it depends on the individual case. You know, are you diabetic? Are you extremely insulin resistant? Um, what dose of metformin are you on? Uh, sometimes I'll, just to get the benefits of both, I'll, I'll give both like just a 500 milligram of metformin and one berberine. So you kind of hit it from two angles at a lower dose. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that might be a good thing you could try, Chuck. But, you know, it's not going to hurt you. Uh, thank you for that question, Chuck. Thank you for being here, man. Um, I, I want to put this from, from Katie, TMAO Trash. Uh, uh, Katie, Katie's on the, the, the carnivore. Uh, I, is she all carnivore or is it? I, I think she She's maybe modified. Much, well, she's probably on. It's modified. Saladino's uh, modified with, with fruit and honey, seedless mm. fruits and honey. Is Ben, and red is ben on full uh, carnivore? No, uh, he switched from full to uh, the modified. Super interesting. I love it. I, I think this is, is so fascinating. Um, okay, Becky is asking, have you ever heard of mast cell activation syndrome? And, uh, and then the question is, what would you recommend if you have, uh, if you have for MCAS? Yeah, that's mast cell, not mast cell. It's okay. M-A-S-T cell. Yeah, uh-huh. That's just an overactivity of your mast cells, which are involved in allergic reactions, sensitivities of all kinds. Yeah, um, you know, we treat some of it. There's a good orthomolecular product called Dehist that I use a lot. Um, it's a really good product. Um, but I think I have some here. But um, so that's, but look at, look and see, obviously with that mast cell, activation syndrome your body kind of overdoes it you know it it reacts too strongly to uh different you know things that trigger it to different triggers it can be one of many things but you have to kind of use antihistamines and you know including h1 and h2 blockers like pepsid and maybe zyrtec and then that the dehist that you get from orthomolecular which is an over-the-counter supplement i think works pretty well but yeah that you can you can that, that's not a fun thing to have mm -hmm. you know i don't have many patients that uh, have identified 
as of having it because it's kind of a hard thing to really diagnose. Um, some people go to an allergist and, and get that diagnosis. But um, if you're having severe issues, that's what I would suggest you do. But um, you definitely want to look at your gut function as well because a lot of these sensitivities come from foods and the gut and uh, certain triggers. Great question, though. Thank you so much for that question, uh, Becky. And thank you guys for, for putting in your questions. I'm seeing them come in. Uh, keep them coming. We'll, we'll, we're going to get to to all of them here. I see T-Mac um, is talking about uh, a flu protocol. Um, what is uh, what is your, your flu protocol right now? Anything that... Um, that kind of stands out for you? Um, yeah, you know, if somebody, and we're seeing some flu, yeah. you know, we definitely are. Um, th there's a triple threat out there, flu, COVID. I treated several of both today. Then uh, RSV, which is mostly in little kids under two, although some older adults could be at risk for having a worse case of it. But little kids get really sick with that um, sometimes. Um I think like something like 75% of the beds nationwide pediatric beds are taken up by it right now. So, you know, if somebody definitely tests positive for flu, uh, I'll usually use Tamiflu um, pack on them. I think that shortens the duration of it and certainly helps their symptoms. I definitely bump up your D to 50,000, bump up your C to 4,000, take zinc. Uh, and very similar to... Um, what I would do, um, you know, I usually don't use the antiparasitics for it, but um, it won't hurt you. But I just don't know how effective it is for influenza. Uh, but yeah, drink a lot of fluids and to get some chicken noodle soup. Get your mom's chicken noodle soup. There you go. Uh, sweat it out in the infrared sauna like, like I do. Um, and also, well, the other thing you, you might want to do if you're um, – Use that betadine nose spray and throat spray. I think that helps whenever you come down with any of this stuff. Um, and maybe even a little silver, uh, coilotal silver mm. up in your nose and in your throat. I think that works pretty well, too. Um, great question. Thank you. We're seeing a lot of it. Thank you for that, T-Mac. I'm just going to uh, piggyback with, with Mark's question because they're very similar. Um, what medicines do you recommend uh, in a home medical kit to treat the flu, RSV, RSV and bacterial yeah, great question. pneumonia. Yeah, of course, Tamiflu kit. I wrote two of them tonight for a couple that was going down to, they're going to take a trip to Singapore and they wanted a home medical kit. And certainly I included Tamiflu. Um, and uh, I did include that antiparasite drug that we use so much of. RSV, you know, there's there's no real defined treatment for it um, other than your vitamins and all and antihistamines. For bacterial pneumonia, you know, Zithromax, maybe doxycycline. Uh, I like having both of those, to be honest with you, because Zithromax is really good for sinus, bronchitis. Um, Doxy is real good for uh, if you've got a staph infection or something. It also works great for pneumonia and sinus infections. I recommend that, you know, you have uh, some Zofran around and maybe some activated charcoal, some Imodium. Uh, I even prescribe an EpiPen uh, to this couple that's uh, going overseas because uh, 
the husband had pretty severe um, allergic reactions to shellfish hmm. and that's a lot of it over there so um did that um so that's the main stuff take a lot of vitamins over there too let's see dc and zinc and also maybe take some knack quercetin um that'll all help thank you for for that mark um let's get to let's see i'm at uh roel's question uh, doctor, how much suggested milligrams of boron would you recommend daily for a male? Man, I'm going to have to look that up. You know, you've got boron, copper, and zinc. Boron's really good for preventing prostate problems. Hmm. Um, I'd have to look and see. We have some in the office. I'm not sure on the dose of the boron. I'd be afraid to tell you right now because um, usually it's it comes in the multivitamin. Um but I'll get, Ben, let's get back with him on that recommended dose of boron. Great question, though. All right. Thank you for that, Roel. Writing that down. Um, let's get to Lisa's question. Uh, am increasing toresemide to 60 milligrams in spironolactone? Spironolactone to. Well, you had a hard time with those two. <laughs> to 50 milligrams daily. I'm sorry, Lisa. Uh, to help with uh, a fluid retention. What is a safe amount of days to take these meds at this dosage, please? Thank you. Um, that's a pretty good dose of terosamide, um, which is kind of, to my mind, a little bit more potent than Lasix. Sometimes work on Lasix doesn't. But um, a spirolactone, that's kind of a mild dose of that. Terosamide could deplete your potassium. Spironolactone could help you hang on to it. So you're on two fairly potent um, uh, diuretics. So, um, you know, I don't know that I'd start both of them. Really, spironolactone, we use it more for people that um, as a DHT blocker for acne and, and also works pretty well for mild congestive heart failure. But, it, but it's a lot milder. When you have a lot of fluid on your extremities, like you've got hitting edema on your lower legs then something like Lasix or Trosamide is probably going to be better. You have to watch your potassium. You have to watch your kidney function on that. So, you know, certainly if you're on both those, I would say, you know, in a month you need to get uh, labs and see where, where your potassium and your kidney function are before you continue with that. And hopefully wean off to a low dose of one. Uh, it'd be great if you could get by with just spironolactone itself, and you can certainly work your dose up on that. That's a pretty mild dose of spironolactone, but a pretty heavy dose of terosamide. Um, but great question. Great question. Thank you. Thank um, you for that, Lisa. And let's get, this is a, a quick one for Lisa. Is berberine uh, over the counter? Yes. Yep. Great, um, great supplement. Uh, berberine is over the counter, Lisa. Thank you for, uh, for, uh, having us say that because a lot of times we talk about berberine and, and people don't realize that that is in, in over the counter. Unlike metformin, yeah. you know, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot milder, um, than metformin, a lot less side effects and it works pretty well. Uh, Rose is asking, have you heard of VitaPulse for lowering cholesterol? If so, can it take the place of statins? 
I haven't heard of Vitapulse for lowering cholesterol. I'm not sure what's in it. Um, I'm going to... You know, one of my favorites for lowering cholesterol, if you're taking a supplement, would be garlic or um, hawthorn, um, of course, niacin. So I'm not sure what's in Vitapulse. Ben, you write that down. I'll, I'll check it out and we'll get, get you an answer. So right now, I don't know what it is. It sounds like an over-the-counter supplement. Uh, Rose, I, I wrote that down. That'll be a prompt for me if uh, we will do some research on that. I'm putting this up from Katie uh, for Roel. Uh, boron is three, three milligrams. milligrams. Thank you. That's right. Yeah, uh, we do carry it. And it's great for your prostate. Uh, so uh, thank you for that, Katie. Uh, Roel, for your bones too. It, is, uh, it is three milligrams. Um, okay, let's get to Steve's question. Um, I have high cholesterol, another cholesterol question. I, I have had simvastatin prescribed, but it started hurting my muscles after a few weeks and was discontinued. I began taking garlic, bergamot, niacin, and fish oil to see if supplements would help. My last blood test revealed my high cholesterol is still too high. Any suggestions? Are there different types of statins that may not be as problematic as the simvastatin I took? Could be, yeah. Um, a lot of times... You take one, it'll cause muscle aches, and another one won't. My favorite one is a water-soluble one called resuvastatin or Crestor. And a lot of times I'll dose it just at a real low dose, five milligram three times a week, and that will help. Um, of course, you know, when you take any kind of statin, um, you need to take CoQ10. That will, that will help... Uh, the depletion that takes place when you take a statin and depleting your CoQ10, which is essential for your mitochondrial function for energy production, ATP. So, um, you know, you might try that one along with CoQ10. Um, and there's another, there's some other new things that are coming up to lower cholesterol that aren't statins. PSK inhibitors. I don't use them, but there's some things out there that, or more potent prescription medicines to lower your cholesterol if you have that uh, inherited problem where you just have type 2 hypercholesterolemia. So you might ask about that, but um, definitely you want to try some low-dose Crestor, 5 milligram three times a week, and um, CoQ10 is a must. It's very heart-protective and energy providing supplement overall love coq10 and i like to use pqq with it that's what's in my yeah. dr rogers energy uh supplement uh the coq10 makes your mitochondria crank out more atp uh but the uh, pqq helps your uh your body produce more mitochondria so you're hitting it from both angles and i certainly take both of them i think it helps but try so you can try that, Steve, and then see what happens. Uh, and again, don't freak out too much on just your total cholesterol. Most doctors just are looking at your your total, maybe your HDL and your LDL, but you really need to look at the APOB, you know, and particle size and that type of thing. Something like the Cleveland panel provides. Um, and if you have, you know, if you have a perfect heart score, no risk factors, I don't, you know, I don't treat. Uh, moderately high cholesterol just for nothing. I mean, look at the side effects it can it can cause. Hmm. So you have to look at it, you have to consider everything uh, you know, before you choose a statin to for everybody. Great question. Great question. There. Yeah. 
Um, okay, thank you for that, Steve. Let's get to, I'm going to get to uh, Robin's question here. I don't think, I think that's where I'm at. Uh, if I'm skipping people, I apologize. Uh, let's get to Robin um, on Facebook. Is it possible to take too much vitamin B? I have been taking two pla- two tablets of B-complex uh, per day for several weeks, and it took the beginning feeling of neuropathy away. What's your thoughts on this? I think you could take too much of anything. Mm. Um, but certainly on the recommended doses, like two of those, that's certainly not going to hurt you. The B vitamins are water soluble. If you took too many, if you took too much niacin vitamin B three, you can certainly cause a lot of flushing and uncomfortable feeling. Uh, what probably worked for your neuropathy was B six. What's interesting about B six, if you take the normal dose of it, it helps it. If you take too much of B six, it may make your neuropathy worse. So certainly, it is water soluble, so it's safe. It doesn't accumulate in your fat like a fat soluble vitamin would. Um, so two tablets of a B-complex, I don't think it's going to bother you. Um, you're, you're just going to wash it away anyway. Uh, a lot of times we check B vitamins levels, like especially B12, it'll be high. And um, it just means you're taking B12. A high B12 means practically nothing. A low B12 means something. So hope that helps. Uh, thank you for that question, Robin. Um, I'm going to, let's get it. Roel's got another question here. Uh, doctor, have you heard about the new study from the University of Houston about the soul's push-up muscle? No, anything that comes out of Houston, I don't trust it, or Texas for that matter. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. He's, he's I'm kidding. kidding. He's kidding. Remember the Alamo? I mean, <laughs> uh, Sam Houston was a Tennessean who went down to the Alamo. Um, in case you didn't know that, but, um, so was Davy Crockett. Um, no, I haven't heard about it. The soul's push-up muscle. And I haven't heard about that. I'm going to look into that, though, because I'd like to have uh, more push-up muscle. <laughs> have you heard of that, man? I, I have not, but I'm writing it down real well. And, uh, I'll, look that, I'll look that up tonight because that's, that's picking my interest in that. Uh, thank you for for that, Roel. We've got a uh, a couple more minutes here. Let's see. Um, uh, this one from Lisa is a, a one that you can uh, answer quickly. Is vitamin K alone good for bone health? If so, what is the dosage amount? Yeah, very good. Of course, vitamin K makes vitamin D work better. So hopefully, you have an adequate vitamin D. But yeah, um, my favorite. You know, there's K one and there's K two. K1 is plant source. K2 is animal source. It's better. K, the one I like, and there's like 12 different forms of uh, K2. So the one I like, Lisa's uh, MK7, 180 milligrams mm. once a day. Um, that's, the, that's the optimal, in my opinion. But make sure your vitamin D is good, too. It actually works in con- conjunction with vitamin D. Um, to get to, to D Lynn real quick, uh, how much berberine should a person take that is pre-diabetic? Um, gosh, I don't know the milligram on our berberine, but it's, I would, if pre-diabetic, I'd still just start out with one pill a day of berberine. Um, cause you're a lot less likely to have any side effects from it at one of them. Um, I mean, you can still get a little bit of stomach upset just like you can metformin. Um, 
You know, if, if Katie's sitting in the office, she probably is by some berberine. Uh, she could tell you that like she did that other question for us, but we will, what um, I'll do. Uh, there, there she never go. leaves. The, she never leaves the office. 400 <laughs> milligram. I thought it was four or 500. See, she's still at the office. She's still there. You know? <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Katie. You got nothing better to do, Katie, than hang around the bottom shelves all night. Uh, uh, Katie, thank you so much. Uh, 400 thanks. milligrams uh, D-Lim for, uh, for berberine. Uh, I'm going to put this up just because I think Mark's trying to, here's what I, here's what I think. I think Mark's trying to play a trick on me because about half these words he knows I can't pronounce. And Mark's a good friend of mine. And he's thinking, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try to stump Ben, um, and add this question in here. Um, so I'm just going to give it a go for just to entertain Mark. Uh, I don't know if we'll have an answer or not, but, uh, but Mark, I know what you're up to, man. Uh, here's the question. What are your thoughts on the use of gamma glutamyl, glutamyl cysteine to increase glutathione for mild glutathione synthetase deficiency or hemolytic anemia? How'd I do? Man, I think you did great on that. Try to say that real fast. That's a tongue twister if you do it really fast, but you you did a great job pronouncing it. Come on, I wish come I on, could Mark. Answer that. Come on, Mark. <laughs> He's trying to stump you. Um, I don't know. You know, of course, we use NAC uh, um, to increase glutathione, uh, NAD plus. Those those all help. NR. So I really don't much know much about it. You know, if you happen to have any articles, Mark, you can send them to me. Um, that's the thing about Mark. He'll give you some articles. Uh, thank you. Like thank a stack of them. Send me some more stuff, uh, Mark, and let see, me look into that. Mark said I did great. He said I did great. And let's see if you can answer this one. Cholesterol and triglyceride in the liver, in the liver were decreased as the dietary addition level of GSH was increased. Any thoughts on this? No, it seems like it might work, though. Um, I haven't really experimented with it any to, to tell you if, if it is, but it's just really interesting. You know, um, one thing, too, that came up today, uh, interesting about a high cholesterol, a lady came in and she had, a, she had really low thyroid function. Mm -hmm. We found her thyroid function was really low because she really came in for a high cholesterol wanting to know what to do about it. But really, if you have a low thyroid, it's going to falsely elevate your cholesterol levels. So if you fix the thyroid, your cholesterol levels will come, will come back to within normal limits almost every time. Not every time, but a lot of the times. So that's, that's just an interesting thought. So if you have a really high cholesterol and you can't figure out why, make sure you look at your thyroid function test. Um, uh, super interesting. And I, uh, Katie, Katie, Katie Googled it. Why, why didn't we think of that? Well, if it doesn't come out of my head, I don't like to Google things, you know, at least uh, not on the air. I don't like to Google stuff on the air. Let's get uh, Lisa's question in real quick. How much B6 to take for neuropathy? Um, Katie, what's the dose of B6 we have there in the office? I know you've got it. Uh, it's called pyridoxal is, is the name of it. That's what it comes under. Um, I don't know why I'm thinking 
either 100 or 500, but um, you got to be real careful with not not overusing that one for neuropathy. Yep. Because if you if you do the, the research, um, too much can make it worse when just the right amount can really help it. I, I tell people to take V6 all the time. And that's another one of the B vitamins that can really lower your homocysteine level, um, which we check on all the Clevelands uh, as well. Um, so... Okay, hundred. I knew it was either hundred milligram. Um, all right. You know what? You. No, now I know what Katie was doing. So I maybe Katie, she was googling. No, that. no, Katie is the Google. That's what she's telling us. Because um, I, oh. Katie is the Google. She is Google. Um, so that's what she. She's not googling it. She's, she is Google. She's not Google using. Man. She's not using a search engine. She is the search engine. She's probably sitting by the, my vitamin cabinet at the office. I, I think she just knows, and she's uh, saying that you need to try some beef liver, and that'll that'll help it, your your cognition. She's big on beef liver. <laughs> you know, it actually uh, is probably the most nutrient dense food in the world is beef liver. So, um, but if you can stomach it, of course you can get a capsule, but uh, they're not going to be as potent as this. The real stuff. Um, Katie's the winner tonight. I, you know what, Katie, Katie, you're outshining, you're outshining us right now. Cause I got to put this up from a well, um, <laughs> all over the place. I think place. I may have to, I may get Katie to step in here for me. We, we gotta get, we yeah. gotta get Katie. Although, you know, I know she's, uh, busy in the background getting all this stuff, uh, together. So, but we got to get her on the show. She can just, uh, hop on and, and answer these live. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much for doing that, Katie. Um, Katie doesn't like to be on live TV. She freezes up too much. Oh, she do fine. She do fine. Uh, (laughs) all right. Roel has sent us the study. I see that Roel on Instagram. We will check this out. Thank you. Um, uh, on the souls, uh, the souls muscle. I can't Um, wait to read that. We are going to, we're going to wrap up the show here soon, guys. Is, is Ike, is Dr. Ike going to make an appearance or is he too wild? Um, I haven't seen him around here. Maybe he'll trot down. I think I hear him coming. Ike, all I have to do is whistle. Ike? Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.